This is The Guardian. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Looking for your next great podcast? We live in unprecedented times. To make sense of it, what if you could learn from some of the most influential people on the planet? The podcast Tools and Weapons is hosted by Microsoft's Vice Chair and President Brad Smith. Every week he has a candid conversation with guests, including Prime Ministers and Pulitzer Prize-winning journalists. The latest episode features Bayer CEO Bill Anderson. Though most of us know Bayer for pharmaceuticals, they're also focused on crop science. They're putting digital tools in the hands of farmers to get the most out of every acre. Listen to Tools and Weapons with Brad Smith wherever you get your podcasts. It's the start of a new year and possibly a time for some introspection, which for some of us might involve inspecting our waistlines after overindulging at Christmas. Welcome back to Fox 8 News in the Morning. If you are trying to improve your diet in the new year, look no further. Lindsay Bailey, dietitian at Akron Children's Hospital, is here with us now with five easy things you can do to kick things off. Now, weight is a complex subject. We used to think that it was down to how much we ate. Now we know it's also about what we eat, as well as our genes. And of course, everyone's relationship with their body is different. Still, come January, lots of us will resolve to eat more healthily, exercise more, and shift some of that festive excess. So 50% of people vow to do more exercise. That resolution is followed by then losing weight, then saving money, improving your diet, which probably will help you lose weight. But it's not easy. In fact, I hate to be the bearer of bad news, but some research suggests that 90% of people who do manage to lose weight through diet, exercise or even surgery ultimately end up putting nearly all of it back on. So for those of us who do choose to try and lose weight, why is it so hard to shed the pounds and keep them off? From The Guardian, I'm Madeline Finlay, and this is Science Weekly. To dig into this a little more, I spoke to health and science journalist David Cox, who wrote a piece for The Guardian on this subject. I started by asking about that almost unbelievable 90% figure. It really is quite jaw-dropping, isn't it? I mean, I couldn't believe it when I saw that. It shows that many of the ways in which we tried to tackle obesity in the past 
just haven't really been effective. But it also from a scientific perspective, it shows that there's maybe processes taking place in you know, our bodies after we try and use weight in months like January and perhaps ahead of the summer, which we don't properly understand. Right. So let's get into those bodily processes, one of which is the role of our metabolisms. And I'm sure everyone's heard of metabolism, but what actually is it? It's a quite an interesting one because that term metabolism is bandied around quite a lot, but it's actually a bit of a mysterious process. What it actually refers to is the set of chemical reactions in our cells in the body, which convert the calories and what we eat into all the energy we need for daily living and basically all the processes in our body which keep us alive. Personally, I know that I've heard a million and one things about metabolism you know it's higher in the morning or it's higher in the evening or it's higher after exercise and one of the main myths that you hear is around age and the fact that your metabolism goes down as you get older I mean personally as someone who's approaching that range where weight starts to seem to get more difficult to shift is it true that my metabolism is winding down Actually, no. This is the interesting thing, because we thought that was the case for decades, but that's actually all changed, basically, in the last six months. So this new study came out in August, which pretty much changed the game in terms of our thinking about metabolism, because it showed that between 20 and 60, so throughout middle age, your metabolism stays pretty much the same. So very early on in life, so in you know the first 18 months, there's a massive increase in our metabolism because children at that age are developing so, so, so quickly, there's a big demand for energy. But then at the other end of the spectrum, actually after 60, suddenly metabolism drops off really, really, really sharply. And now scientists think that could be a key factor to, you know, why we're a lot more vulnerable to diseases such as cancer, heart disease. But those are the only two main changes in the human life, really the big ones in terms of metabolism. So there are these two big changes and it drops off after the age of 60. But can we change our metabolism depending on what we're eating and how much we're eating? Not really. This is the interesting thing. Metabolism does seem to be very hard to shift. The main reason why actually uh, scientists think that we do um, put on weight as we get older is simply because we're consuming more calories and also worse calories. So we're eating more highly processed calorie heavy foods. And this simply happens as people, you know, as they get older after they, you know, leave university and they're leading busier lives and managing jobs or trying to raise children. They're just dealing with more stress. And so that turns people to quicker, easier food. And that is probably one of the main drivers of weight gain, rather than your metabolism slowing down. So let's say we want to kind of balance that out with exercise. There is this traditional wisdom of calories in versus calories out, and that you can balance any bad foods by doing running or going to the gym or even walking. I mean, is it that simple? Can I go jogging and burn off last week's worth of mince pies and chocolates? Actually, it does seem to be a little bit of a myth. And a lot of people think this is basically down to the success of marketing programs around the fitness industry. In reality, it's not quite so simple. 
your your keen cyclist who goes out every single weekend and does a bike ride is probably burning the same amount of calories as the person who you know just sits watching Netflix all weekend. It more comes down to how you distribute how your calories are being used. So, for example, if you are cycling every weekend, your calories are going to be used more to help you exercise and for healthy processes in your body. But if you're leading a very sedentary life and you're just sitting around, you're not doing much exercise at all, then those calories are more going to be used for processes like stress, aging, things like that going on within your body the whole time, which consume a lot of energy, but you don't realise are taking place. It sounds quite counterintuitive because people who are doing all this exercise are potentially burning a similar number of calories of those of us who might choose to sit on the sofa. Are there scientific studies that back this up? They've done this both in animals and in humans. So they did a really fascinating study looking at gorillas in the wild who basically roam, you know, thousands of kilometres every day compared to the gorillas in the zoo. And they found that both seem to pretty much burn the same amount of calories. And I think they've looked at rural tribes in Tanzania, again, who are constantly on the move, and they burn pretty much about the same calories in a day as we do. It's all about what you eat, really. That's increasingly what science seems to be pointing us towards. If exercise isn't as vital as we think it is for losing weight and it all comes down to food although of course we should say that exercise is very important for all other kinds of health outcomes why doesn't dieting really work why do 90% of people end up putting their weight back on if they're reducing how much they're eating or changing their diets completely to have healthy foods rather than highly processed foods I think a lot of it comes down to what happens to our metabolism while we're on a diet. So at the moment, what we know is that when we go on a new diet, the metabolism basically drops. So it really slows down. And we think this is basically an evolutionary response to try and prevent starvation. But then what we don't know is what happens over the coming weeks or months while we're still on that diet. So it could be one of two things. A, if metabolism really does continue to stay low, it doesn't go back up again. That basically shows that there's, you know, ultimately relatively little we can do. We need to really focus on not putting that weight on in the first place, because once we've put it on, it's going to be very hard to shift. If metabolism does, though, if it does rebound to normal levels again while we're on the diet over, you know, after one, two months then it basically tells us that the reason we're, so many people are putting weight back on is because they go back to overeating again. And scientists think that is probably the most likely scenario here, but we basically slip back into our old bad habits. And so the, the key question is, how do we go about you know, addressing our relationship with food? So despite all our dieting in the short term, we eventually slip back to our old dietary habits, which brings our weight back up again. Meaning, like you say, that it's our relationship with food that might need a rethink. So what does that look like? What are some of the things that we could be doing? Well, it's quite interesting because people who've looked into um, factors which help people lose weight over a longer period of time 
it's actually a lot of it comes down to psychological interventions such as group group support it's it's one of the reasons why groups like weight watchers and things like that are so incredibly successful because they give people a structure and i guess maybe asking your partner or family not to eat crisps and biscuits and chocolates next to you on the sofa <laughs> exactly or, or simply doing it together you know um it's quite interesting because um women often tend to be six, more successful than men at losing weight over a longer period of time and one of that is because women tend to go to things like weight watchers while men you know they it's seen as like a female only kind of thing um and there's a big drive at the moment in the UK to try and get men to commit more to weight loss programs because um there's a number of statistics which show that men are more likely to be overweight or obese in the UK than women are and it's because men don't tend to commit to those sorts of support schemes as women do. David, it sounds like the hardest option that you're giving us. I was kind of hoping you might come on and tell me that there was a quick fix. <laughs> it's a tricky one, isn't it? It's really hard. And I think so much of it comes down to modern life, really. I think the problem is we just have so many easy, convenient solutions. And ultimately, technology has kind of shot us in the back a little bit. You know, we have like really addictive high calorie food is at our fingertips. And it's so hard to shift away from that. Well, David, thank you so much for coming on and speaking to us. Thank you. You can read David's piece on the science of metabolism at theguardian.com. And from the team here at Science Weekly, Happy New Year. We can't predict what 2022 will bring, but we'll be here to cover all the latest in science, technology and the environment. Come what may. See you on Thursday. This is The Guardian. Looking for your next great podcast? We live in unprecedented times. To make sense of it, what if you could learn from some of the most influential people on the planet? The podcast Tools and Weapons is hosted by Microsoft's Vice Chair and President Brad Smith. Every week, he has a candid conversation with guests, including prime ministers and Pulitzer Prize-winning journalists. The latest episode features Bayer CEO Bill Anderson. Though most of us know Bayer for pharmaceuticals, they're also focused on crop science. They're putting digital tools in the hands of farmers to get the most out of every acre. Listen to Tools and Weapons with Brad Smith wherever you get your podcasts.